Welcome to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church. I'm very glad to be here uh, with my two usual co-hosts, Dr. Gabe Williams and uh, Reverend John Payne. Good to see you, brothers. Good to see you, Michael. Good, good seeing you. Good being here. My name is Michael Bauer. I'm the Associate Minister here at Christ Church Presbyterian, and we're going to talk today about uh, a new resource that's been recently made available um, from the Gospel Reformation Network and uh, Abounding Grace Radio Ministries. And uh, this resource is uh, it's called the New Reformation Catechism on Ho- Human Sexuality, and it's by Christopher J. Gordon, um, who is the host of Abounding Grace Radio. And this catechism seeks to really be a, a, a very helpful tool to Christians. You know, all around us in the world, there's confusion and, and really sexual anarchy. Mm. Um, we don't know as a society how to use the bodies that God has given to us. And as Christians, we need to be able to stand firm on the truth of God's Word um, and fight against the moral and sexual revolution that is bombarding uh, the Church of Christ. And this catechism uh, is very beneficial in doing just that. It's nice and short, and it's a very helpful resource. Uh, Pastor John, you were very much involved in the the creation of this new catechism. Can you tell us a, l- a little bit about the genesis of the project and the background to it? I, I would love to. And, and if I can just say, too, amen to everything you just said, uh, Michael. And it's interesting that it just occurred to me that this is June, That's right. which is so-called Pride Month. Gay Pride Month. Um, and the Bible speaks hmm. uh, clearly against uh, being gay and being prideful. Proud. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, as we come to this topic, it's just really important that we understand something that's very clear, that the world is seeking to catechize us hmm. in what it considers truth. Yeah. That truth, of course, is changing all the time. The plus at the end of the LGBTQ moniker demonstrates that it's an ongoing, changing, fluid thing. Mm -hmm. So what is next is the question. What's the next identity or perversion that will be added to the list? We don't know, but they're coming. And what we want to celebrate and encourage others to think about, even our friends and neighbors who are unchurched and not Christians, is that our all-wise God, who is full of love and wisdom, has created man, male and female, Mm. and has clearly set forth in His Word that which is true, that which is beautiful, and that which will encourage and foster human flourishing Mm. and blessing, because we cannot have that outside of God's will. Mm. And so, The world is catechizing us and our children, rainbows everywhere. And here's the thing, we as a church can't stand by and do nothing. Mm -hmm. We We can't retreat. We need to continue to be on mission with the clear message of the gospel, which is a gospel of love and grace, inviting sinners of all stripes to repent and believe the gospel and to receive Christ as Lord and Savior. It's also our opportunity to, in our call to discipleship, to disciple our congregants, to disciple our children. And we have been using catechisms for 500 years, since the days of the Reformation, to teach 
our congregations and our children the truth of God. So praise the Lord that my friend Chris Gordon, who's the pastor of Escondido URC in Escondido, California, has written a catechism uh, with the encouragement and help of many um, to help us to understand the foundations of marriage and human sexuality as set forth by our all-wise and all-powerful God. Mm -hmm. uh, so what a blessing. And this, this catechism called the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality uh, really is something that's been in the works for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. And as Chris uh, reached out to me about it and asked me to look it over, um, I was able to give some feedback. Uh, others as well were involved in this process like Carl Truman, Rosaria Butterfield, Rosaria who is a former lesbian and former gay activist and former professor of feminist studies at Syracuse University and who is now married mm -hmm. uh, to a godly man and is a Christian, she writes the introduction to it and has done a lot of writing on the sexual revolution and particularly this notion that there can be such a thing as gay Christianity, mm -hmm. which of course the Bible uh, very clearly speaks uh, against. And so the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality is meant to indeed be a resource for the church to help us understand better and with clarity uh, what is God's will for our lives in terms of marriage and sexuality. And it cannot be emphasized enough the amounts of confusion uh, that is existing within our society about all things pertaining to sexuality. And so those of you who are listening who are older, you probably just kind of think, yeah, this is pretty obvious and common sense. What you should probably thank God for is the fact that this did not come in your generation necessarily. Because if you listen to incoming college students, high school students, middle school students, they will tell you that each of them in some way or fashion have had some sort of existential sexual gender identity crisis. And you ask yourself the question, how can 40, 50% of these kids go through the same issues? And as was already mentioned, the reason why is because it's being intentionally taught to them. Just like when Paul writes to the Corinthian church and you read the actual letter and you say to yourself, this seems pretty obvious that some of the sins they're committing seems pretty straightforward. The reality is that when your culture and society is morally debased and sick, and their morality is completely twisted, the very basics have to be taught. So like in the Corinthian church, you have to teach the very basics about incest, about not getting drunk at a love feast and things of that nature. In our society, we're not going to teach new converts what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, what marriage is. We're teaching very basic things because this is the level of confusion that's in our society. We are living in a post-Christian society, mm -hmm. no doubt. And it is so clear now that this is the case. And what's interesting too, and I think, uh, Michael, you and I were speaking about this recently, that kids are actually identifying as queer in the LGBTQ because they are afraid to identify as heterosexual. That's right. Because there's so much pressure, cultural pressure, and shaming culture that's happening if you are against um, the perversion of, of homosexuality or this gender uh, confusion that's taking place. That, that if you believe that, that, 
that someone who is a man biologically and identifies as a woman is actually a man, then somehow you're unloving, you're bigoted, and, uh, and you should be canceled. That's well, right. young people recognize this. And with the therapeutic culture, crossing mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. shame culture with the LGBTQ movement and also the woke movement, why you have people literally just giving in to whatever it is is being passed down to them by their, by their teachers or, or their parents or whatever. And this is something that uh, Carl Truman has written about pretty extensively in his last two books on the nature of our expressive individualism uh, within our society. That if you reach a point where it is actually a legitimately thought statement that a man can be trapped in a woman's body, that means you have to start at the very foundation. and. Mm -hmm. One of the things I very much enjoy about um, this catechism is that it starts at that foundation. It doesn't just start by naming the actual, say, sociological sins that are in view here. We're starting at creation, fall, redemption here. Very basic Christian contours. And for those of you who have uh, seen or read this, it is phrased in a way that the Heidelberg Catechism is phrased. And so that means it's going to have a very much pastoral sort of tone to it right. so that you can reflect upon it, so that you can teach it even to your youngest children. Uh, albeit, you probably have to explain terms, but mm. it is meant to be taught uh, in such a way that the youngest up to the oldest can actually gain something from it. Rosaria Butterfield, in the foreword uh, to this work, says this, Today's revolution in theology is not over the doctrine of justification by faith alone, but over sexual identity. Our post-Freudian world maintains, without any substantial pushback, that sexual identity is the most important truth about a person. Organized under the banner of LGBTQ+, authentic personhood depends on placing yourself under one of these letters, or joyfully and without reservation applauding people who do. The American Medical Association tells us that mental health depends on practicing what you desire and enthusiastically supporting others who do what feels right in their own eyes is a suicide prevention strategy. Mm. The biblical creation mandate seems a quaint ancient narrative with no binding force when in, in the United States today there are hundreds of pediatric gender clinics and testosterone is administered to adolescents from Planned Parenthood on a first visit and without parental consent or a therapist's note. Mm. Uh, these are powerful words mm. from Rosaria Butterfield who was in that world mm. and now is in Christ and recognizes all of the lies and the destructive nature of this movement. Again, we talk about this not because there aren't other kinds of sins. Of course mm. there are. And we we preach against them in this church, whether it's heterosexual sexual sins or homosexual sexual right. sins um, or other kinds of sins. We, we preach against them and we preach Christ and there's forgiveness and grace for all who would come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Um, but this is, as Michael said earlier, like a, like a wave going over our culture and it's enveloping churches and mm -hmm. pastors. That's right. Um, I saw this morning on a friend of mine's uh, Facebook page that a PC USA church on his corner is having a gay pride celebration worship service at mm -hmm. their church. 
this is so foreign to scripture and it would not have been seen in any churches anywhere prior probably to the 1980s yeah something like that and kind of repeat uh, the point has kind of been made here when you consider what our society itself is actually embracing and consider the fact that they're actually striking at not just the foundations of the gospel they're striking at the very foundation of creation itself and so the, the claim is always in terms when we talk about this topic is that we're only talking about sexual things we're not talking about the other sins that christians do and it's tempting to kind of try to explain that away but there's actually something important about what's happening currently sexual identity is not just one among money not all sins are equal some sins strike at the core and some sins affect everything else that proceeds from it if you're confused at the very foundation of what man is that means you cannot get anything else possibly correct you cannot possibly understand man's problem if sexual if you're confused about what man ought to be nor can you understand anything about what the gospel is meant to do if you don't understand what man is and at the end therefore if there is a faulty view of creation that means the fall is denied if the fall is denied that means there can be no redemption and if there is no redemption that means we are basically in nihilism we basically have a situation where all of this is just a game of power claims and just identity statements and this is why the whole discussion on sexual identity is so important if this is not dealt with among christians it will destroy everything in its path pastor michael you're doing a summer series with the musc and 20 somethings uh, bible yeah. study and uh, i know that uh, you've been excited about this and uh, tell yeah. us about that yeah, we're, we're going through uh, a new book by Carl Truman, uh, who Gabe mentioned earlier, uh, called Strange New World. And it's a sort of a distillation um, in some ways and an expansion in other ways of, of an earlier work that he did called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And um, these two books, really, that what he's trying to do is tell the story of the sexual revolution and, and ask the question, how did we get to the point where someone could say, I feel like I'm a man trapped in a woman's body, and everyone kind of understands what they're saying. Um, it may not make sense to us, uh, but but we know what it is that they're trying to communicate with those words. And um, so, so what he does is he, he traces the um, story of thinkers and philosophers uh, and, and looks at how what they taught um, has led to where we are. And uh, it's very helpful for Christians to know that kind of history, to know um, what kinds of state that, that to know that the kinds of statements people make today are um, very recent, uh, that they that they didn't, uh, but that they also just didn't come from nowhere, right? That there's this history of it, and it can help Christians really to uh, evaluate those statements and to respond to them with the um, the truth of God's word, and that's really the the goal of the study with the twenty somethings at Christ Church is to be able to ha have these kinds of conversations and um, to equip them to be able to to talk to other people outside the church about these things. And for our listeners, we would highly recommend, particularly this sort of distillation yeah. of the larger work. And what was the title of that again? It's called Strange New World. It's published with Crossway, um, and uh, so it's it's very well worth your time picking up yeah. written by carl truman carl truman yeah. 
Gabe had mentioned earlier that this new Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality is written in the style of the Heidelberg Catechism, and you'll be able to hear this in the first question and answer, mm -hmm. and um, you'll also get a, get a taste of just how fantastic this uh, catechism is, how helpful it is uh, on this topic. Question one asks, why is it comforting that we have a new identity in Jesus Christ? Again, this is speaking to Christians. Why is it comforting that we have a new identity in Jesus Christ? Answer, I am being remade into the image of Christ to have a true identity in body and soul throughout the whole course of my life to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. He redeemed my life with the precious blood of His Son and has delivered me from the lie of Satan in the garden. He also watches over me in such a way that he might free me from all sexual impurity as the temple of his indwelling. In fact, all things must work together to remake me into the image of his Son. Because I have this new identity, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of God's steadfast love and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to enjoy true freedom as a new creation. Uh, interesting there, he talks about true freedom. Some people think that this sexual anarchy is freedom, yeah. but actually it's bondage. We see that in Romans right. chapter 6. You're mm -hmm. a slave to something. You're either a slave to your own sin and sinful desires. You're in the prison of your own sinful desires, which are destructive mm -hmm. and will ultimately, uh, in the end, lead you to eternal damnation. Or you're a slave of righteousness, namely a slave of Christ, because he has saved you by his grace, you've received his forgiveness, and now you stand before God, no longer cast off, but brought near, and justified by mm -hmm. grace through faith, and, 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 and receive an eternal inheritance in heaven. That's true ultimate freedom, is to have our identity mm -hmm. in Christ. The second question says this, what must I know about human sexuality and my new identity in Christ? Answer, three things. First, how great my unholy desires and sexual sins are. Mm -hmm. Second, how I am set free from bondage to my unholy desires and sexual sins. Third, how I am to lead a thankful life of sexual purity in union with Christ. Mm -hmm. And so there's that union with Christ language again, which we spoke about in a couple of episodes ago. Praise the Lord for union Amen. with Christ and the freedom Amen. that it brings us. Once again, as was mentioned, sin no longer reigns in us. It does remain. Those those desires can still be there, but we are mortifying them and killing them and, and, and fleeing from them. We're not embracing them and making them a part of our identity. That's yeah. right. And that connects with what um, Gordon does a little bit later in the catechism as well. And one of the questions that I really appreciate is question 26. Um, and, and he asks the question, why are all forms of sexual immorality incompatible with my union with Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. And the answer is that since I have become one with Christ in body and spirit, any form of sexual immorality invites that which is profane into my holy union with Christ. Therefore, I am called to be one with Christ by fleeing all forms of sexual immorality. Amen. Amen. Probably one of the more difficult things to discuss in our society is just the reality of what happens to those who do not turn away from their sins, mm. or what happens to those who have chosen to remain uh, living in 
unrepentant sin for the entirety of their lives. And if you look at this actual catechism, it actually goes through that section. And here we're looking at question 33. And it says, can those be saved who do not turn to God from their unholy desires and unrepented of their sexual ways? Now, before I answer here, it's important to note that this is now not speaking strictly about transgenderism. This is actually within the discussion of pornography. So the answer is, by no means. Scripture tells us that no sexually immoral person, no adulterer, no fornicator, no homosexual, no abuser of women or the like will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is just a direct quotation from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. This is why this is such an important issue. Because what we're telling people is that even though the entire society has become uh, sexual enslaved to their sexual appetite and are engaging in things that are not to be mentioned the reality is that we're looking at a large collection of people that are going to perish in their sins that's why we're warning that's why we're training and discipling and as every person who has dealt with uh, sexual desires that are uncontrolled once it's an addiction it is not impossible to free yourself but it requires every aspect of yourself to free yourself from it and this is what the warning is about if a person has say given up completely and so i'm going to indulge in this completely scripture is clear there is not a curve that you'll be graded on because everyone else around you is in the same sin uh, it's not a situation where god says well everyone is sinning so i guess i have to forgive them all no, that's, that's not what is said in Scripture. The Scripture says it not just once. It says this a number of different times that the sexual immoral, both in 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, and in Revelation, two different authors repeating the same points. Sexual immorality leads to destruction. And it's very uncomfortable to tell that to a society that has engaged and indulged themselves in it. But that is the truth, and that's why we, as the church, cannot compromise one bit on the topic. Amen. I love the practicality of question 39. What is God's will for parents in training children in mm-hmm. proper sexuality? Yeah. Answer, three things. First, that parents model before their children a loving relationship and also hold marriage in honor as it was designed by God. Second that parents speak to their children appropriately and sufficiently about biblical sexuality and proper sexual conduct as designed for marriage, realizing that our children are facing daily misinformation on sexuality. Mm. Third, that parents guard their children from all forms of sexual immorality and pornography and overseeing the use of technology, social media, and other mediums that promote through cultural peer pressure, a different sexual ethic than what God made as good in creation. That is massive. Very practical, clear advice that is not being followed by so many Christian parents. Mm -hmm. And we need to be reminded that we're not just supposed to get caught up in, in, in the, the wave, mm-hmm. um, we are going against it. We are to be mm-hmm. countercultural and uh, to, to, to speak against the, you know, the lies and to, 
to speak for the truth and uh, to lead our mm. children in the way, modeling that godliness, but also uh, teaching them what is what is wrong and also what is right. That's right. And the last question here deals with how do we actually address this among those who are currently in this web of sin? Question 41 asks, how do we love those who live in sexual sin? And it's important to note how the answer itself goes between two extremes. So the answer says, we should not avoid or shun those who are mastered by sexual sin. Mm. So that means we don't just point at them and say that's them and kind of move away. It continues, instead, we should speak the truth in love about sexual sin, namely what we've just mentioned, mm -hmm. repentance and faith in Christ. Give witness to the deliverance God gave us from our own sins, which is very important, and that's why I think it's great that Rosario Butterfield has already approved and put the forward in this book. Next, and perform acts of kindness. By our godly living, we should seek to win over our neighbors to Christ. Yeah. And I love the emphasis by our godly living, because mm -hmm. that means that the Christian understands that there is a clear distinction between those who are in Christ, saved by his grace, their behavior should exceed that of your society. And that shouldn't be something you would be afraid to admit, because this is actually what we believe about progressive sanctification, that we are actually becoming more holy, yep. that we are actually being conformed more and more into the image of Christ. It is that godliness that is beautiful. The actual life of sexual perversion is dark and it is a web of impurity that if you've never experienced it, it's kind of hard to describe. But it's deep, it's dark, and in some cases, it feels as if you are in a dungeon where you can't see anything. It is the beauty of holiness that gives someone who was in dark darkness something to see. That's why our godly living matters. That's why the Christian witness matters. And that's why it's important to emphasize that Christians have been delivered from these sins. It's not just one person every so often. There are thousands and thousands of Christians who have overcome sexual sin who are in the web of it just like anyone else. Yes, and we must remember when we think about our witness to the world is we're not being loving by allowing people to live in a lie right. mm -hmm. and to live in this dungeon that you just spoke about. Mm -hmm. That's not loving. What is loving is to speak the truth in love mm -hmm. that they would be rescued from this life of, of bondage to sin. Mm -hmm. um, we are all sinners. We sit here at these microphones and we are Amen. sinners. Amen. But we are sinners saved by grace in Christ who has freed us from the bondage of those sins. So now sin doesn't reign on the throne of our hearts. It is Christ. Mm -hmm. And while there is, are still skirmishes and sins in our lives, that we, but we seek to, to, to put them to death and to mm -hmm. repent of them and to confess them for what they are. And uh, we give them no safe quarter in our lives. And we've been freed to be able to do that in Christ. Amen. And so if there are any who may be listening to this who are struggling with sexual sin, who have a pattern of sexual sin, whether it's homosexual sin or heterosexual sins, whether it's actions or whether it's 
um, pornography and living in this world of, of wickedness and looking at these pictures and videos. Um, you have hope in Christ to turn from that sin and to look to Christ for, for grace, forgiveness, and for righteousness, and for His Spirit to empower you to repent and to walk away from those sins and to Amen. walk uh, into the arms of Christ and to live in Him, in union with Him. Hmm. Now, uh, some of you may be wondering, where do I get a copy of this catechism, the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality by Chris Gordon? Well, thankfully, Reformation Heritage Books has... Um, has agreed to distribute this uh, this booklet uh, catechism, which is published again, as Michael mentioned, by the Gospel Reformation Network and Abounding Grace Radio. But Reformation Heritage Book, because they they appreciate what this catechism is is doing and teaching, they are distributing it. So you can go straight to Reformation Heritage Books, and you can buy these in bulk for your churches. You can buy them for your family members. Uh, you can buy them for your institution, whether it's a school, a classroom, uh, a seminary, um, whatever it may be. Take a look at this, if you are a Christian leader, and see if this wouldn't be a great resource uh, for uh, wherever it is that you serve. Uh, we are so thankful you joined us for this episode of Between the Times, and hope you'll join us next time. <laughs>